If you love Snapped, Women Who Murder, you're going to love listening to true crime or mystery titles on Audible. The audio title I'm diving into again is one of my favorites to revisit, Mindhunter by John Douglas and Mark Ulshaker. Even if you think you know the details of the cases, former FBI unit chief John Douglas took on from documentaries or the scripted show, the audio title goes above and beyond in bringing you along with him in his career, trying to catch serial killers and serial perpetrators. He used psychological profiling to dive into the minds of notorious criminals. The title includes his hunt for a killer in Alaska, the Green River Killer, and so much more. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. It is the home of storytelling after all. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash snapped or text snapped to 500-500. That's audible.com slash snapped or text snapped to 500-500. Alpha 1-9er, commence Wi-Fi device checklist. Laptops on. TVs streaming. Game console console. Smart thermostat set for cuddle time. Doorbell camera. Oh, my package is here. Fast, reliable, able to power tons of devices inside your home at once. All systems go. You are clear for takeoff. This is Xfinity Internet. Wi-Fi built to wow. And watch the short film The Aviators. Now playing at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Hi, Snap listeners. We're bringing you a special bonus episode today from Oxygen's hit series, Snapped Killer Couples. You can also watch full episodes live or on demand on the free Oxygen app by clicking the link in our description. Enjoy. A small town is rocked by a vicious murder. You find this man bound and hogtied. He had experienced terror with a capital T. The community is alerted to a dangerous criminal on the loose. They met while he was in prison, and then he escaped. No one had seen or heard from her since he had disappeared. Was she being removed against her will, or was she a participant? As police race to find both a missing person and a fugitive, more troubling crimes come into focus. We really didn't know where she was. I'm thinking, oh my god, there's another potential victim. And the search for the truth will expose a serial killing couple on a horrific crime spree. I just wondered what kind of animal these two were that would do this to a person. She said that he forced me to do it. I didn't want to, and I was just going along because I was scared of him. This was a crime perpetrated by dangerous, calculating criminals, and it is the epitome of pure evil. Lebanon County, Pennsylvania is known for its small town charm. Lebanon County is a relatively small county as far as population is concerned. Its total population is about 140,000 people. You don't have to worry about your children. You didn't have to worry about walking down a street. This was a small town USA. But on September 25th, 1993, 911 dispatchers in the small borough of Palmyra receive a disturbing report about one of its citizens. Palmyra Borough Police received a report that a 74-year-old resident named Guy Goodman hadn't been seen by his neighbors for days, and it was quite unusual. 
his neighbors had grown concerned because his mail and his newspapers had piled up outside of his home. Following up on the call, an officer with the Palmyra Borough Police Department arrives at Mr. Goodman's address to perform a welfare check. From the outside, the home appears dark and quiet. When the officer arrived at Guy Goodman's apartment, he was able to look through a window and saw that the place was in disarray. He then went to the front door, which was unlocked, and as soon as he opened it, he was just confronted with a horrible smell. The stench was overwhelming. By the time you get into the house, it was so bad that breathing was difficult. There had been some sort of disturbance inside. There was a vase that was broken. On the flooring in the hallway was a fair amount of blood. It was streaked as though something had been drugged from the hallway. The officer follows the blood trail to a door and down a flight of stairs to the basement, where he is met by a gruesome sight. When the officer went down into the basement, he found what looked to be a body tightly wrapped in a bedspread. While most of the body is concealed, it appears the victim is deceased. His head was covered, but his one hand was, you could tell, was showing signs of decomposition. The officer calls back to the police department and requests the homicide unit to arrive on scene because he believes he's found the remains of the missing homeowner, Guy Goodman. Before he'd been reported missing, Guy Goodman had been enjoying a life of retirement. The 74-year-old had owned and operated a popular floral business in the community for nearly two decades. I was friends of Guy Goodman. He was just one of these, like a Reader Digest guy. You know, he just, the uh, most interesting character. It was just really nice to be able to talk and meet people like that. He was well-known and well-respected throughout the entire community, not just in Palmyra, but throughout Lebanon County. He was divorced and he lived alone. He had two grown children from that marriage who he raised in Lebanon County. His neighbors had nothing but kind things to say, said he was a very generous man. Faith played an important role in Guy's life. He was an active member of his church and enjoyed going on mission trips to help those less fortunate. I'm president of a volunteer health organization, and we make trips usually into Central America. Guy expressed to me that he's always wanted to go on one of these trips, and he'd like to really help some people out. Guy Goodman was quite the traveler, but he also was a gentleman who loved his community, and he regularly gave back to that community. He worked with a lot of charities and did a lot of good for many, many people. I wouldn't call him wealthy, but certainly comfortable in terms of his ability to pay for his own needs and to give to others. And from all accounts, he was a very giving man. But now it looks like Guy Goodman's life may have come to a tragic end. On September 25th, 1993, a body is found concealed in the basement of the retired florist's home. I was the primary investigator on this particular homicide. I responded to the location 
and was met by Palmyra Borough Police Department. We found that after taking the bedspread off, then under that, there was a sheet of plastic wrapped around the entire body, covering head to toe. Decomposition makes visual identification impossible, but detectives make a few key findings. He had eight bindings on various portions of his body. There was a cord around the neck used to bind the hands behind the back. And then that cord went further down and was used to tie the legs together so that it was basically hog tying the victim. He had a plastic bag over his head. So if he tried to wiggle free, he would use up the oxygen quicker. As detectives were examining the remains, it became clear that he had been beaten in the back of his head. It was covered in blood. It was obvious that this man died a horrific death. Despite decomposition, the coroner is able to use dental records to identify the victim. Authorities were able to positively ID the remains as belonging to Guy Goodman. We were able to determine the body had been dead for at least a week. Based on the multiple bindings and the bag left covering the victim's head, authorities conclude the cause of death to be asphyxiation. We kept any knots that were utilized to bind him intact. Those items were collected along with the wrappings that were around the body. Inside the main level of the home, investigators have uncovered evidence of a brutal attack. We went through the house, just get a, an overall picture of what areas of the house may have been involved in the crime. Detectives surmised the struggle had ended in the foyer, where the killer had hit Guy over the head. There had been some sort of disturbance inside. There was a vase that was broken. There was blood at the back of the hallway going back through the living room. Evidence suggests the killer tied Guy Goodman up with items found in the home. Some of the drawers in the kitchen were partially open. It was obviously that some lights had been plugged in using extension cords. Those extension cords were initially missing, and the cord was missing from the phone. Investigators suspect that after dragging Guy Goodman to the basement, the killer ransacked the residence. Mr. Goodman's car was missing from the driveway, and there were also items missing from inside of his home. Checks were missing, and they were also unable to find a credit card that had belonged to Mr. Goodman. So that immediately got them thinking, this is the motive. It was robbery. One of the first things that police did was to contact the bank and contact the credit card company and put a trace on the use of any checks or credit cards. In the meantime, detectives continue their search of Mr. Goodman's residence. They note that every exterior door and window appears to be intact. There was no sign of a forced entry. It wasn't somebody who broke into the door or broke a window and crawled into the apartment. There was no sign of that. And that was obviously a clue that 
The perpetrator was probably somebody that Guy Goodman knew. Coming up, the case to find Guy Goodman's killer takes an unexpected turn when authorities discover a connection to a local prison. Guy Goodman had actually signed up to go into the prison and help out mentor troubled youth. Guy was trying to help him and turn his life around. And police face a race against the clock to catch a criminal at large. He was granted a conjugal visit evening furlough. According to the prison's sign-out sheet, he never signed back in. In Palmyra, Pennsylvania, authorities are investigating the murder of retired florist Guy Goodman when they uncover evidence that Guy had likely invited the killer into his home. That theory gains momentum when detectives observe the kitchen table. I noted that there were three cups sitting on the table. It looked as though three people had been sitting and having coffee or tea together prior to this. So it appeared as though whoever was involved was an invited guest into the home. The number of cups also suggests that there may have been two perpetrators involved in the attack. One of them was likely Guy Goodman, so it only stood to reason that the other two belonged to guests that Mr. Goodman had in his home prior to his death. As CSIs process the home for fingerprints, Detectives head outside to speak with Guy's neighbors, who are devastated by the news of his death. He was a nice guy, a nice old man. Everybody liked him. I mean, why would anybody hurt this little old guy? I mean, it's uh, especially talking about as brutal as it was. We have a man whose background is one of a community leader, a, a, an individual who's loved. While neighbors can't think of anyone who might want to harm the 74-year-old, police turn to the forensic evidence for clues. One of our detectives was able to develop some latent prints. Investigators checked the prints against the local database. They immediately got a match, a man in the local arrest criminal system named Bradley Martin. It's a name that police in Lebanon County law enforcement immediately recognize. Bradley Martin was a 21-year-old inmate at the Lebanon County prison, and he had been reported missing from the prison about a week earlier. Bradley Martin was awarded a two-hour pass to leave the prison on September 15th, but when he was supposed to return, he never came back. But what possible connection did a missing inmate have with Guy Goodman? When authorities check the jail's visitation logs, they get an answer. In fact, there were visitations, several visitations by Mr. Goodman to Bradley Martin at the Lebanon County Correctional Facility. Guy Goodman had actually signed up for a program that allowed him to go into the prison and help out mentor troubled youth. That is how he first connected with Bradley Martin, through his willingness to volunteer. Bradley met him through that program. Guy was trying to help him and turn his life around. 
Is it possible that Bradley had killed Guy Goodman after escaping the jail? Police dig into Bradley Martin's background to get more intel on the fugitive. He came from a good family. The mother was an executive secretary to one of the top officials at Hershey Foods. Father was a teacher at uh, Milton Hershey School for underprivileged children. They are good, salt-of-the-earth, hard-working people. Despite his positive upbringing, Bradley had fallen in with the wrong crowd as a teenager. He was in and out of trouble uh, at various times through all of his teens. He started using alcohol. He started using drugs. A repeat thief, Bradley had been in and out of jails numerous times. He had previously served time for a burglary, but was busted for a parole violation not long after his release. He was serving 23 months on a parole violation. Before his escape, correctional officers had considered Bradley a model inmate, which allowed him to participate in the jail's work release program. The work release program is a program that allows trusted inmates to be released on a daily basis to go to work. They leave the prison, they go to their place of employment, and then they come right back to the prison. He had a job at a facility in Palmyra that did packaging of candy. Bradley's employers had reported to prison officials that he was a good employee who never missed a shift. And it was while working at the factory that Bradley had met his new girlfriend. That's where he met Carolyn King. Carolyn King was a 27-year-old woman who worked at the same factory as Bradley Martin. She thought he was handsome and didn't seem to mind that he was a prison inmate. They grew close very quickly. More than a week earlier, on September 15th, Bradley Martin had used a two-hour pass, a weekly perk of his work release program, to meet Carolyn. As part of that work release program, because of going to work and returning regularly without any infractions, he was granted a conjugal visit evening furlough. That's something they earned, as long as they followed all the rules. According to the prison's sign-out sheet, Bradley Martin had planned to meet Carolyn King, but he never signed back in. Bradley Martin was reported as absconding from the Lebanon County Prison on September 15, 1993. Guy Goodman's body was found on September 25, 10 days later. That led us to start thinking that Bradley Martin may have been involved in, in this particular matter. Detectives immediately put out an APB for Bradley Martin, along with a description for Guy's missing vehicle. They also begin searching for Bradley's girlfriend. Police were able to get Carolyn King's address from the packaging factory. They went to her residence. She wasn't there. No one at work had heard or seen Carolyn since Bradley disappeared. So police didn't know if she helped him escape, if he possibly kidnapped her, or if she was in danger.
Bravo's The Real Housewives of New Jersey. A little zap, 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 zap. Is all new. How is Teresa handling you becoming friends with Melissa? And conflict. That's who you want to associate yourself with? Runs in the family. I really don't want to answer any questions about Teresa. I'm going to have to rethink this. Strap in. You're bully. Don't poke the bear. For a bumpy ride. I see your true colors. You're dirty. Everybody was right about you. In all new The Real Housewives of New Jersey. Every Sunday at 8 on Bravo. And streaming on Peacock. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. County, Pennsylvania, authorities are searching for 21-year-old Bradley Martin and his 27-year-old girlfriend, Carolyn King. After Bradley's fingerprints are discovered in the home of 74-year-old murder victim, Guy Goodman. Based on Bradley Martin's prior criminal record, it didn't seem far-fetched that he could have targeted Guy Goodman for his money and attacked him at his home on September 15th when he left the prison. With Carolyn King missing, police wondered what, if anything, she had to do with Guy Goodman's death and whether she was with Bradley Martin. What we didn't know was what was Carolyn King's involvement. To find out more about Carolyn and where she might have gone, detectives dig into her background and learn the 27-year-old had recently moved to the area. We were able to find out that Carolyn was originally from Virginia, and we're able to determine that she was married. In addition to her husband, she had four children. The oldest was 12, so all those four children were under the age of 12. I was working at HARP, which stands for Housing Assistance and Resource Program. The program was to prevent homelessness, Carolyn King came to us just as any other client would have. I was assigned to her as a caseworker. Her situation was that she was new to the area. She was applying to be placed in an apartment or a rental unit. Based on Carolyn's application, her husband and children had made plans to join her when financial assistance was granted and Carolyn had settled in. But those plans changed when Carolyn met Bradley Martin. Carolyn had gotten a job at this candy packaging company where she met Bradley. It seems like they were drawn to each other. Carolyn King lived in a different state from her husband and children. And Bradley Martin had been in jail many times and appeared to really need somebody to take care of him. So the two were sort of drawn to one another. and. Bradley apparently didn't mind that Carolyn was already married. Carolyn was very persuasive, very charming, attractive, and I think that Bradley became enamored with her. People who had worked there noticed that they spent a lot of time together during breaks, during lunch. 
Soon, co-workers say, it appeared both Carolyn and Bradley had turned their backs on their former lives and began focusing on a future together. They were very definitely in a relationship. There were records at the prison that Carolyn visited Bradley. They had conjugal visits together, and there was no doubt that they were indeed a couple. But now, both Bradley and Carolyn have vanished without a trace. Nobody had seen or heard from Bradley or Carolyn since September 15th. And when authorities reached out to Carolyn's husband in Virginia, he hadn't heard from her in weeks. Detectives are convinced that Carolyn is with Bradley. But where is the couple now? On September 27th, detectives get their first lead when the trace on Guy Goodman's credit card comes in from the bank. I had a report which showed transactions for the past week traveling through Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, and going west into Iowa. And the last transactions that we had were in Rapid City, South Dakota. Somebody went on a cross-country shopping spree courtesy of a dead man. Detectives reach out to the businesses where the credit card had been used and provide a photo lineup to the clerks. We had gotten her photograph, put a photo array of eight photographs of Caucasian males approximately the same age, eight photographs of black females approximately the same age. Within the hour, detectives receive a positive identification. The clerks identified Martin and King as the people who were in the store. Both Bradley and Carolyn were together and making the purchases, each one utilizing the credit card. At this point, police don't know what to make of Carolyn's involvement. Was she with Bradley willingly, or had she been forced to go along on the road with him? Investigators interviewed some of the store clerks at some of the places where the pair had been, and they all reported that she seemed completely normal and not in any distress. Most of the clerks described her as the talker. She was described as friendly, engaging, even bubbly. But police lose the couple's trail when they learn a hotel clerk in South Dakota had put a hold on Guy Goodman's credit card for suspicious activity. One of the hotels identified Carolyn King as having attempted to check into a hotel in Rapid City, utilizing a driver's license of Guy Goodman with her photograph on it and Guy Goodman's credit card. The clerk typed in a code on the credit card usage, which then automatically stopped the use of the, of the credit card. The clerk confirms that Bradley Martin was also there and that the couple had quickly left the hotel after the clerk threatened to report them. As a result, Rapid City, South Dakota Police Department indicated that they were going to begin a search in Rapid City to attempt to locate Bradley and Carolyn in case they were still there. It isn't long after Rapid City PD begin their search that investigators receive an update from Guy Goodman's bank. Some of Guy's checks had been used at a hotel across state lines. The checks were written 
to hotels and or businesses in Bismarck, North Dakota. I contacted the Bismarck Police Department to advise them who we were and what assistance I was asking of them. But what the Bismarck Police Department says next turns the entire investigation on its head. The detective who I was speaking with advised me that he wasn't certain how much information or how much help that they could be because they were busy with the, the fact that there was a woman missing from a hotel in Bismarck. As they're telling me the name of the hotel that the woman is missing from, I'm looking at a check written to that hotel on Guy Goodman's check, obviously having been passed by Bradley or Carolyn. I'm thinking, oh my God, there's another potential victim. Coming up, detectives race to track down Carolyn King and Bradley Martin before it's too late. We don't know whether she's alive, whether she's deceased. We knew that time was of the essence. And the search for the couple leads to a dangerous high-speed pursuit. During the chase, he leaned out of the car, and the officer could see that he had a gun. Pennsylvania detectives have just traced suspected killer Bradley Martin and his girlfriend Carolyn King to a North Dakota hotel when they learn a guest at the same hotel has gone missing. I need to get to Bismarck as quickly as I can to find out if there is a connection as to the time periods when Bradley and Carolyn may have been at this hotel. Does it coincide with this missing woman? Once in North Dakota, Lebanon County detectives join forces with Bismarck police and the FBI, who share details of their missing person, 59-year-old Donna Martz. Donna Martz worked as a tour bus guide for a company stationed out of North Dakota. The tour company would have visits to different places in the United States. And she loved it because she was a people person. She loved being around people. She always had a smile on her face. Detectives learn that Donna is a resident of Rock Lake, North Dakota, but was in Bismarck following the conclusion of her latest bus tour. I came home on Saturday night, September 25th, and there was a message on the answering machine, and it was Mom, and it was, Hi, I'm back. I'll call you when I get home. I love you. It's a four and a half hour drive, five hours, you know, for her to drive home. So she was gonna spend the night and go home the next day. But according to her family, Donna never returned to Rock Lake. She didn't call. Anna's like, well, this is really strange. So I tried calling, phone rang, no answer. When the family contacted the hotel, no one there had seen Donna or her vehicle. I just got this terrible feeling. I just went from my head to my toes. Donna's family had immediately contacted North Dakota police, who then released an APB for Donna's car. Now with Pennsylvania authorities and the FBI joining the case, they begin tracking Donna's financial activity. The task force got a report that 
a credit card of hers was utilized in the western part of North Dakota, in the opposite direction of where she would have been traveling from Bismarck. We were able to watch the video, and we were able to positively identify Bradley Martin and Carolyn King, both utilizing Donna Martz's credit cards. The same day, authorities make another telling discovery. At the same time, the sheriff's department locates Guy Goodman's car across the river in the next county from Bismarck. Inside the car, they found fingerprints of Martin and King. We begin to put out the information to other police departments to the west, to the north, and to the south. At that point, we weren't certain where they were. Authorities theorized that Carolyn and Bradley had dumped Guy Goodman's car and taken Donna's. But is Donna with them now? We all know that there is a clock ticking for Donna March. The manhunt for the couple is broadcast on news stations nationwide. Several of the offices broadcast information about their wanting Bradley and Carolyn and the information on Donna March's car. More than a week later, on October 5th, the media frenzy pays off. A California highway patrolman spotted the car outside of San Diego. The patrolman is able to confirm that there are two individuals inside the vehicle matching Bradley and Carolyn's descriptions. When the officer spotted the vehicle, he was able to get close enough to make visual recognition that it was Bradley Martin and Carolyn King. He radioed for backup, but at that point, Bradley and Carolyn realized they were being followed. And a pursuit began. The California Highway Patrol chased them across the desert and into Yuma, Arizona. Now, at that point, Bradley had a gun with him. And during the chase, he leaned out of the car. Before Bradley had a chance to point the gun at the officer, Carolyn, who was driving, made a turn, and the momentum pushed him back into the car. They were at an intersection and went through the intersection and bang. The chase ended when they were involved in an accident. Both Bradley and Carolyn were taken into custody. Unfortunately, there's no sign of Donna. At that point, then we still didn't know where Donna was, and they wasn't telling at first either where they had left Donna. We're just trying to find where she is and hope that she's alive. We knew that time was of the essence. With their suspects in custody, the task force sits down with Carolyn King on October 7th. Right off the bat, Carolyn King denies any knowledge of Guy Goodman or Donna Martz and says she has nothing to do with any of this. With the evidence stacked against her, FBI agents pressure Carolyn to give up Donna's whereabouts. That's when Carolyn confirms authorities' worst fears. Carolyn admitted that she had been there when Bradley kidnapped Donna Martz, and then she told detectives that Donna was already dead. Bradley had wound up murdering her outside of Elko, Nevada. But Carolyn insists she had no part in any of Bradley's rampage, 
including the murder of Guy Goodman. Carolyn told authorities that Bradley had killed Guy Goodman, and she says she was forced to flee Pennsylvania with him. Carolyn admits that she and Bradley had often talked of running away together as they bonded at work. Carolyn told the FBI agents that they wanted to get away. They wanted to be together. But their plans had taken a turn for the worst when Bradley suggested they rob Guy Goodman. Bradley knew that Mr. Goodman had money. Mr. Goodman had tried to mentor Bradley to try to get his life straightened around. So he knew he could get into his home easily. According to Carolyn, on September 17th, the couple went to Guy's home during Bradley's two-hour release from jail. Carolyn said Guy invited them into his home upon their arrival, and Bradley said that he had been released early from jail. He asked Guy Goodman for money, but Guy refused to help him. Bradley became upset and hit Guy Goodman. Martin smashed a vase on top of Guy Goodman's head. He lay on the ground bleeding. Carolyn says that Bradley had ordered her to collect cords around the home so they could tie Guy up. They lifted him up. They carried him down into the basement. They tied him up. He was bound with eight different ties or bindings. Bradley taped a bag over Guy's head and then wrapped him up in a comforter where he slowly suffocated. Carolyn told the FBI agents that she was afraid of Bradley and that Bradley had hit her and she was afraid he was going to do something to her. She said that he forced me to do it. I didn't want to and I was just going along because I was scared of him. According to Carolyn, Bradley then scoured the home for cash before they fled in Guy's car. After a few days on the road, they realized that police would be monitoring Guy Goodman's credit cards. They were also running low on checks. By the time they made it to North Dakota, Bradley decided they needed more money and a new vehicle. They was looking for another victim to take, and it just happened to be Donna. They had watched her carrying her bags and knew that she was alone. They decided they were going to take Donna Martz and take her car and utilize her credit card to continue traveling. On the morning of September 26th, the day after police had discovered Guy's dead body in Pennsylvania, Bradley kidnapped Donna Martz at knife point. As Donna was checking out of the hotel, Bradley was behind her. When she turned toward him, he stabbed her in the side and then led her into the parking lot. Carolyn says Bradley had tied Donna up and forced her into the trunk of her car, where they kept her hostage. Donna was a prisoner in her own car. She spent five agonizing days in the trunk, not knowing what was going to happen to her as Bradley and Carolyn just drove across state lines. Carolyn says eventually Bradley decided to get rid of Donna. On September 30th, he drove to the Nevada desert and forced her out of the vehicle. Bradley shot her in the head. She was then left in the desert 
in a hope that uh, coyotes and or other animals would uh, devour her body. Carolyn says she and Bradley headed for California, where Bradley planned to flee across the border. Fortunately, police were able to catch the couple before they escaped. Carolyn continues to claim she was just another victim of Bradley's. To get to the truth, authorities sit down with Bradley Martin and confront him with Carolyn's claims. He confirms what Carolyn had already told them and readily admits to killing both Guy Goodman and Donna Martz. No remorse, just a factual statement of what took place. That led me to feel that Bradley Martin was a completely depraved individual. Despite Carolyn's claims of innocence and Bradley's refusal to throw his girlfriend under the bus, authorities believe she played a larger role in the crime spree. It was Carolyn King who wrote the checks and signed the, the receipts when she used the credit cards. It was the clerks who said she didn't seem to be upset or under any sort of duress. She was alone on many occasions. She could have walked out the door. She could have called 911, and she didn't. She didn't report that, you know, hey, I'm being kidnapped and to go across country, and this man is dangerous, and call the police. None of that. We were able to pretty well surmise that she was not an unwilling participant. Escaped convict Bradley Martin and his girlfriend Carolyn King are in police custody for the murders of Guy Goodman and Donna Martz. My family called me to let me know that they had been apprehended. My heart broke for my mom, knowing that she was bound and gagged and alive in the trunk of her car. Hot days, hot nights, and knowing she couldn't do anything about it. But loved ones of the victims receive a small ray of hope when both Carolyn and Bradley decide to cooperate with authorities. They drew a map to where mom's body was to the best of their knowledge. And so we were able to bring mom home. That was one thing I was grateful for because so many don't get to bring their loved one home. And we did. That was a relief to know that at least we had our body that could be brought back to North Dakota. Bradley Martin and Carolyn King are officially charged with theft, kidnapping, and two counts of murder. The couple is extradited back to Pennsylvania to await trial. So how does something like this happen? Bradley came from a good family. He did lead a small life of crime, but it graduates to these horrendous murders. It's unfathomable. What led two young people, Bradley Martin, who was less than 21 years old, why he threw his life away for nothing? I was terribly shocked to hear that Carolyn was involved in a homicide. She was just so ordinary and so quiet and, and really refined. I was just amazed that a mother who was seemingly very concerned about her family because she was seeking help could even be capable of committing a crime 
like she did. I just couldn't believe it. One year later, in September of 1994, the joint trial of Carolyn King and Bradley Martin for the murder of Guy Goodman begins in a Lebanon County courtroom. While Carolyn continues to maintain her innocence, Bradley claims he never planned to murder Guy. His defense was, this was spontaneous. There was no premeditation. And what I did in closing argument was go through everything that happened on the night of the homicide. How long did it take for them to actually do those things? Every single second, they could have stopped, they could have untied him, they could have called an ambulance, and they did not. So every single second was a second of premeditation. And ultimately, that argument was bought by the jury. On October 11th, 1994, both Carolyn King and Bradley Martin are found guilty of all charges and sentenced to death. Following their convictions in Pennsylvania, Bradley Martin and Carolyn King plead guilty to the murder charges against them in Nevada. They each receive an additional sentence of life without parole. There was no doubt that these two did this crime. It was just witness after witness, exhibit after exhibit. I've never had a trial in my career where the evidence was more compelling. I think one of the biggest questions is, why was Carolyn King involved? She didn't have the same type of criminal background as Bradley, but she obviously felt incredibly attracted to Bradley. And anywhere that Bradley went, Carolyn went. And look where it got her. There was no good reason for Guy Goodman to have died. There was no reason for Donna Marks to have died. In the end, two innocent people who were well-loved by their families, as well as their communities at large, lost their lives, all because Bradley Martin and Carolyn King couldn't wait 23 months for Bradley's prison sentence to be concluded. It is the real tragedy of this story. Carolyn King is serving her life sentence at the Muncie State Prison in Pennsylvania. Bradley Martin is serving his life sentence at Camp Hill Prison in Pennsylvania. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 65th National Finals of Distinguished Young Women. Every year, one girl from every state leaves her family, her whole life behind, for two weeks and spends each day training, practicing, preparing. Because to win this competition, she needs to wow a panel of judges with her academic record, her athletic ability, her speaking skills, and a show-stopping talent. I met her and I was like, she's gonna win. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. When I sing that song about being a black woman in America, there's gonna be backlash about that. Oh, I'm just so happy. So happy. I don't want to see them. I don't want to talk to them. And then we stayed with them for the next year, unpacking just what happened those two weeks in Mobile. I'm Shimoliai, and from Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.